Saints, we ought to have some agreement expectations. We ought to have some expectations from the Lord. We ought to expect some things from God. We ought to come into his presence expecting God to bless us. Not into his presence. The Bible says come boldly to the throne. Doesn't say come saying, well, Lord, I know that you're mighty and I'm little down here and I don't know if you might be able to do it. No, come boldly to the throne. Say, by my covenant with you, I can expect to be blessed this morning. I can expect to be healed. I can expect you to help me with my finances as I come into agreement with you. I can expect to be healed and be healthy as I eat healthy and as I do healthy things and come into agreement with you. I can expect those things. Come on. Expectations. If you have your Bible this morning, turn to the book of Daniel. Just a short message this morning. But I want to talk about some agreement expectations this morning. The book of Daniel, this is a time when Daniel, where we're going to chapter 10, when he finished his 21-day fast, and this is what God spoke to him as God began to speak to Daniel. Daniel chapter 10, look at, look at verse 2. If you're looking for Daniel, it's in the Old Testament. If you can find Psalms and Proverbs, you'll see Isaiah there and maybe Lamentations, Ezekiel, some other things there, and then Jeremiah, and then you'll find Daniel. He's there with them all. Come on, Daniel chapter 10, verse 2 says this, In those days, I, Daniel, he did what? He said, I humbled myself for 21 days. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips. Here's what Daniel did. It wasn't about what Daniel ate or what he didn't eat, but Daniel took a stand at this time and he said, Lord, I need to be a little closer to you. And when I take this stand, what I'm saying is, is that you're more important to me than those things that I really love, mainly food, something that we all need. In fact, if you go without eating, sooner or later, you will die. Your flesh will anyway. And so when you set aside that thing that sustains you in the flesh by saying, God, you are more important to me than that thing, God says, listen, here's someone I can use. Here's someone who loves me more than themselves. Here's someone I can bless. Because the Bible says in Chronicles, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, searching, looking for someone that he can show himself mighty through. Is that you today? Well, Daniel said, that's me, Lord. You're more important than anything else around me. And that's what we're going to be doing. That's the whole point of this fast and prayer is to say, Lord, you're more important to me than anything else around me. Because I know in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures evermore. You want pleasures evermore? Seek God out first before anything else. Don't seek the pleasures Seek God and you'll have pleasures. You'll be like that older son in the prodigal son store. You're already in the house. You have everything that you need here in the house. That's what God is speaking to us today. Agreement expectations. A couple scriptures I'll give you. Jeremiah 33, 3. God said, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Of course, we know Jeremiah 29, 11 has been preached on, it's been memorized, but the Lord says, I know the plans that I have for you. Come on. I know the thoughts I think towards you. Thoughts of 
peace, not of evil. God is not mad at you. He's what? Madly in love with you to give you a future and a hope. He already knows what your future is. And that he, he's given you a hope for that future. Now that hope comes with an expectation. We need to have an expecting spirit. An expecting spirit. Come on. Here's what expectation is as I define it. Expectation is the attitude of faith. That means you believe it in your heart, think it, and speak it. The attitude of faith that believes in the greatness of God. And will work in my life. Will work is the word there. Not maybe, might, could work. But will work in my life, my family, my church, my nation, my place of employment, my school. Come on, all these things. And the nations of the world is the work yet to be done. But I already know that it will work. Come on, somebody. We need to have an expectation spirit. And here's what I'll give you today. We need to expect a touch from the Lord. We need to expect a touch. That in the message Bible says, a hand touched me and pulled to my hands and my knees. Daniel chapter 10, verse 10. In the Amplified, it says, a hand touched me, which set me unsteadily upon my knees and the palms of my hand. In other words, when the Lord touches you, some things change. Come on, you're shaking a little bit. It's not just a brush by, but when you get touched by the Lord, some things shake. Your mind changes. Your heart is a little softer. You see things that you didn't see before when God touches you. And during this time, we need to expect a touch from the Lord, saints. We need to expect that touch. We need to be touched by the hand of God. Behold, he touched me, Daniel said. What does it mean? Touch to agree with the one who's touching you. You have an encounter, a specific time and place when something changes. Something in you changes. Behold, he touched me. Now there are five things, and this is all I want to give you this morning. Five things that happens when God touches you. Number one, you are touched with the strength of God. You are touched with his strength. 1 Kings 19.5 says, Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. He was, this is uh, Elijah and he was weak. But when God touched him, the angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. He had strength. You want to renew your strength? Don't feel sorry for yourself. Seek out a touch from God. Stop saying, Woe is me. I know the world has beaten you down. I know that there are some things that are not exactly right. In fact, I want to tell you as a side note this morning, I don't know about you, but I have not given up on this country just yet. Come on. I know we have some problems. I know there are some things that are not right, but I don't care who's in Washington, who's in the... I don't care about any of those things. What I know is that this is still a Christian country, no matter who says it's not. I, I will tell you this. I told these folks this in the Philippines about America. If every Christian in America were to just step out of America and just step into Mexico, I believe America would fall apart. I believe it would fall into the sea. And here's, where, here's my basis for that. Because you, saints, are the salt of the world. You preserve it. You preserve it. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You and I preserve this place. So if we're looking for change, stop looking to Washington. I know they say they can change, but listen, if you want change, it needs to start right here in the church. Come on, there's 330,000 churches in America. 
We need revival in the church. We need, I'm, I'm telling you, next year, listen, I, I, I'm, I'll receive some emails about politics and all that, and, but you know what? I'm not even going to look at that. I'm just going to laugh at it. Here's where I'm going to change, right in here. It's going to start right here, and it's going to start with my family, and it's going to start with my church. It's going to start with my community, with the Holy Spirit reviving us. Come on. And we, we need to set the example, saints. We need to set the example. Government programs won't set the example. I'm not on a, a soapbox, as we talked about soapbox uh, at work. I'm not on a soapbox this morning about politics. But what I'm telling you is, is that here in the church is where it's at. You and I need to make the change. We need to pray like we did this morning for change. And then we need to go out there Monday through Friday on our jobs and at school. And we need to be the example. We need to be the leaders. Listen, if people want to see Jesus, all they should have to do is look at you and look at me. Come on. We make the change. And I have not given up on us. I believe God still loves this country. I believe God still loves this people. Come on. I, I, listen, I, I don't know about you, but I, I believe he does. He loves us, and I'm going to love it. Because he loves us, I'm going to love our country. I'm going to love our people, and I'm going to do everything I can to encourage everyone I can. Come on now, because my provision comes from the Lord. But we need a touch from God to renew our strength so that we can be strong. Don't let the world beat you down. Listen, you're not citizens of this world. Ye are citizens of the kingdom come on the kingdom of God that's where your citizenship lies and in the kingdom of God there's no economic problems come on there's no political issues in the kingdom of God oh last time I checked in the kingdom of God there was one king come on and whatever he says goes <laughs> and there's no voting there's no democracy there's no coming in. there was somebody one time I remember that tried to come against the king come on and Jesus said I saw Satan fall like lightning uh, from the heavens and a third of the angels were judged just like that you don't come against the king in the kingdom of God and so therefore we don't have problems why because we have a good king Come on, we have a, a king that loves us. We have a king that gave us his own DNA. Come on, I'm talking about a creative DNA. I'm talking about a healing DNA. I'm talking about a DNA that's the head and not the tail. I'm talking about a DNA that's above and never again beneath. I'm talking about a DNA of kings. Come on, and queens. Come on, priests. I'm talking about a, a DNA of people who are on top, saints. That's the DNA you have. Now start acting like it. Come on, let's walk in it. That's what we have to do. We're not waiting for somebody to give us some DNA. You have it already. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He has breathed into you the breath of life. Come on, you are a new creature. You are a spirit man inside you. That same DNA that God has, we need to know who we are and walk in that. Come on. We need a touch from God for some strength. We need a touch. We need a touch of knowledge from God to know who we are. Come on, number two, when you are touched by God, you are touched by his favor. This is a little different. I know I don't have these five things up there, but just go with me this morning. We're touched by the favor of God. Esther 5, 2, so it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor in his sight. God looked out on the earth. Everyone was evil, except he looked over here and saw one family, Noah and his family. And the Bible said that Noah found 
favor and grace in the sight of the Lord. When you are touched by God, you are touched by the favor of God. I'm not talking about magic, but I'm talking about a miracle power. Things that you don't deserve, God will begin to bless you with. And it's not just because you work hard at what you do, but it's because God is first in your life. Because you acknowledge him in everything that you do. And when you do that, he blesses you and he touches you with his favor. Psalm 30, verses 5 and 7 says, For his anger is but for a moment. Yes, God gets angry. Come on, parents. Come on. God gets angry, but his anger is just for a moment. The Bible says his favor is for a lifetime. His favor is forever. Weeping may endure for a night. You, come, you know it. Come on. Joy comes in the morning. Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain stand strong. Come on. Psalm 119, I entreated your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to your word, David said. We have the favor of the Lord. I don't know if you believe, sound like everybody doesn't believe it this morning, but I'm here to tell you that you have God's favor on your life. You have it. You are also touched by the fire of God. You're touched by his fire. Come on. Isaiah 6 and 7 says, He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. Saints, your sin is purged. It's gone. He threw it into the sea of forgetfulness. Stop wallowing in it. Don't let the enemy come back to you and remind you of things you did last year or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Don't let it remind you of that. That was the other person. That was the old person. Listen, you are a new creature. And your new spirit man is a, a, a spirit man that's never been molested. It's never been offended or it never has it offended. It's not committed sin, nor will it commit sin. Come on, but right now we are trapped in this body. You know Romans 7, Paul said, who will deliver me from this body of death? But one day, come on, one day, God will remove this thing from you. And the real you, you will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And who you really are will be revealed. And then you will see your enemy for who he really is. And, and the Bible says that when you see your enemy, you're going to say, is this the one that brought down nations? Please, is this the one who did these things? This one? Come on. Look at me. I am a mighty man of God. We just need to understand it. We just need to know it. And you will be touched by God's fire during this time. You're going to be bold. You're going to go boldly to the throne, and you're going to go boldly to the world. And you're going to be who God called you to be during this time of consecration. I believe that God is going to reveal some things to us. He's going to reveal who you... You're going to start to see who you really are. You're going to look in the mirror and say, Oh, that's who I really am. I'm not that other person that those people at work say I am. I'm not that person that those people at school say I am or those people in the marketplace. This is who I really am. God's going to take the scale away from your eyes and you're going to see a person with fire in their belly, with rivers of living water in their belly because God has deposited it there. You're going to see a person who, who can contribute to society. You're going to see an example to others. You're going to see someone that God created, someone you have not seen before. And then you'll have some boldness to just be who you are. Then you'll have the boldness to not shrink back in the workplace, 
to, to not shrink back in the marketplace, to not shrink back at school and say, well, you know, I do know the Lord, but I really don't want to say too much and I just want to go along with the other people because I don't want to create any ripples and all of those things. No, you'll say, listen, I am a child of God and I don't, I'm not a citizen of this world. And if you want to be blessed, look right here. Not because of me, but because of Jesus in me. Listen, Paul was on a boat that tore all apart in a storm called Eurachlodon. They named the storm in the Bible, right? Named it. The boat tore it all apart. But guess what? It says every soul was saved. Why do you think that is? Because Paul was on the boat. Because God's man was on the boat. Everybody was saved. Come on, that's you this morning. Listen, I'm not trying to give you any false encouragement or any false pride. I'm just telling you because the spirit of the living God lives in you, you are the same as Paul. You have that same spirit in you. Hallelujah. And then you'll be touched by God in your heart. Some of us have a heart that has been molded and shaped by our circumstances it has been molded and shaped by our environment, by our conversation, by the things our parents said to us, by the things mentors or teachers have said to us. And this is your worldview. This is your outlook. This is how your heart is. Maybe, uh, you know, you have a hard heart or maybe you have a heart that you feel like you're a placemat and all of those things. But when God touches your heart, it begins to reveal who you begin to have the heart of the Lord. Second Samuel chapter 10, and Saul also went home to Gibeah and valiant men with, with him whose hearts God had touched. God will touch your heart. Then when the Lord touches your heart, you'll be wise. You'll know how to make the right decision at the right time. Come on, you'll, you'll have some wisdom because the book of James says, if you lack it, just ask for it. He won't upbraid you. He won't talk about you. He'll simply just give it to you. God will touch our heart during this time. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Guard your heart with all diligence. And then finally, number five, you'll be touched with a miracle. Come on, how many could use a miracle in their life or in a loved one's life? Come on now. I know there are some marriages. I know that there are some families that could really uh, use a touch from God. Some things need to turn around. There are some, some situations in our life that, listen, you can't do it. You just can't do it. There, there's nothing you can do. You've tried everything to try, and there's not, you've, 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 you've had counseling about it. You've thrown money at it. Uh, you've taken money away from it. You've done all of these things, but you just simply cannot do it. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, if you'll let that problem be for a moment and focus your attention on the Lord, if you will come into his presence, if you'll sit at his right hand and just begin to listen to what God is speaking to you, those problems, you'll have wisdom on how to deal with those things because he will touch you with a miracle. And then you'll say, I didn't even, I didn't even know how that that thing got solved, but God did it. In fact, I didn't even know, I thought it was a much bigger problem than it really was. And this is what the enemy does. He, he takes little things that are in your life and he does what my grandmother used to call make it a mountain out of a molehill. Come on, he makes it, he magnifies it and makes it much bigger than it really is. And then you know what we do, saints? We begin to magnify it. We magnify that problem. We magnify it more than we magnify God sometimes. We really do. But God is saying, magnify me today. 
Magnify me. And what that means is you, that doesn't mean you're making God bigger. Really what it means is now I can see how big he really is. That's what, it's, it's taking a magnifying glass and now I can see how big God really is. And once you do that, you'll say, this is the one that brought down nations. You'll say, this is my problem. I have no problem. I'm a king and a priest and a citizen of the kingdom of God with access to every resource that God has. And I'm here to tell you, they are substantial. God's resources are formidable. They are substantial. Come on. I mean, a cattle on a thousand hills, please, that's nothing. That's just some words in the Bible. God made everything, including your enemy, the universe, the stars, the gases, everything. God made it all. And the universe is all in him. Come on. So you have resources. Then you say, well, if I have all these resources, what's the problem? I'm sitting here. I'm, I said, Lord, I love you. I read my Bible and I pray and I do all these things. I believe that we need to, uh, we need to come into agreement with God. And here's what that means. That doesn't mean just read your Bible and memorize a few scriptures, although that's very good to do. But here's what it means. If you want to touch from God... Here's what it means. It means that we have to not only understand what God is saying, read his word. We not only have to go to our closet sometimes and pray and say, Lord, speak to me. But it's about this one word, and that is obedience. And remember, I've said it several times. Remember what obedience is. Remember this thing, Nia, and tell your brother and sister. Uh, Obedience is twofold. Anybody know what it is? Doing what God says do. And when he says doing it, to do it, when he says doing it, when he says to do it, obedience is twofold, doing what he says do, and when he says to do it, then you've obeyed. It's one thing to do what he says do, but if you do it a year later, maybe that time has passed now. Come on now. Do what he says do, when he says to do it. That's coming into agreement with God. That's where the rubber meets the road. That is what they say, putting your money where your mouth is. Come on, if you really want to uh, come into agreement with God, if you really want the blessing of the Lord, if you really want to walk with peace, we need to come into agreement. And then you will be touched by God. This is how you're going to be touched by God. Come on, by the end of this thing, we can say, He touched me. Come on. By the end of this thing, the end of this 21 days, saints, we can say that God touched me. He touched me. I was shackled by heavy burdens. Come on. I had those things on me. But when I realized who I was, God touched me. God touched me. 